everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We have an exciting episode for you today. We have our Baku recap and we're coupling it with the Miami GP preview because we have a busy few weeks double header, basically a triple header coming up and we're just going to pack it in for you and get started. So with that, I'm Chessa. I'm Sarah. And I'm Tiggy. So jumping into our main takeaways for Baku, it was not the most exciting race after a somewhat chaotic weekend, but I think Spanners had some good tweets, uh, I think yesterday, about how it kind of bummed him out to see how how boring some people found it being like the main thing talked about <laughs> when we got like a perfectly normal good show and some fun developments. So we will dive into all of our thoughts on how the new sprint format went down. But I think bottom line for me is that it's fun for fans, it's tough for drivers, and it's kind of silly to do it on a tight street circuit. Um, but super yeah. exciting that Checo is bringing the fight to Max for the championship. There are only six points separating them, so that's super exciting. Ferrari, uh, in a turn of events, is looking in much better form with Charles's poles and his first podium of the year. And McLaren also looks to be more on the up again, too. So that's all good things. Mixed bag for Mercedes, which is a bummer after their promised upgrades and all of that. But overall, good weekend. I agree. I liked this weekend and I totally agree about the sprint. I think I always get excited about sprints. I'm excited for format changes to switch things up a bit. But I think it just is so punishing on the teams and drivers, which Max is being very vocal about. I think showing up after, especially interesting that they had to show up after a three-week break, get in, do one hour of practice. There were a lot of issues in practice. So some people barely got that and then jump into a full qualifying session. Can't imagine just kind of the stress of that, having a full three-day weekend with a standalone event. I think I love Baku. It's one of my favorite circuits, but I think it's pretty a pretty tough location for a sprint. One of my favorite parts of the weekend was definitely the Aston Martin dynamic because I think I have been fully proven wrong on that, at least so far, because <laughs> I had said pretty vocally at the start of the season, I expected it to be like Alonzo versus Strolls, a total dumpster fire. But instead, we saw a model of teamwork from them that we barely see from any team. So Ever. I was very <laughs> impressed. It's pretty they, amazing. Yeah, big toe for Lance during the sprint shootout. And then during the race, the comments of Alonzo helping Lance with his brake situation. And then Lance saying he wouldn't fight Alonzo because he knew that they had bigger priorities, bigger fish to fry. <laughs> Literally insane. Do you know what how many DMs team? we got that are like, where is Fernando and what have you done with him? <laughs> <laughs> or also Lance being this mature forward-thinking driver about what the actual fight on track is instead of trying to fight his world champion teammate to show what he can do, which I think is what Most 19 of the other drivers would have done. So <laughs> yeah, go I agree Aaron. with you guys all on this weekend. I think the, I, there was a lot of slipping and sliding that I saw. And like, given how tight of a track, I think there was a lot more potential for drama. So I mean, I guess we're glad we didn't see any major wrecks, but I do think like big things to take away. It's like a, a good point in the season to bring up some interesting questions, interesting points, like Max Checo dynamic, this potential McLaren comeback, they looked pretty good. And then, of course, this Alonso Stroll situation. So for me, let's do MVPs. I think mine, I'm going to go with Russell. A little bit unexpected, but I love to see someone challenging Max, and we're going to get into all that drama. So for me, it was him. Yeah, that was fun. We'll talk all about <laughs> that altercation. <laughs> for me, I'm going to go with Checo. I think first ever multiple-time Baku winner since 2016, so that's pretty exciting. He consistently delivers on street circuits. You guys saw our radio of the week, King of the Streets, but this is his fifth street circuit win in a row. And just what a great win on pace. Like I know Max had a little bit of a kerfuffle with one of his pit stops and, and all that, but like he, Checo won on pace, super awesome race, only six points behind Max, like we said, in the championship. So Checo well-deserved. I think he was also driver of the day. So definitely, definitely a good showing from him. I definitely agree about Checo. One of the announcers said right after the finish, actually, that they thought it was potentially one of his best wins ever because wow. several, of course, he had had a, that crazy Force India last to first finish at which for his first win. So I think that probably stays the best ever. But I think in the Red Bull era, this, I think, is probably his best win in terms of pure pace. I think Max had 
30 plus laps to catch him, wasn't able to do it. So I was super impressed. And I think besides that, Aston Martin, I'm on, I'm on the Aston Martin train right now. Very impressed with the weekend. Alonso not on podium, but still a great showing from them. What about LVPs? LVP, I think I have to go with just some of the teams that have kind of gone from midfield to back of the pack, like Alpha Romeo just being a complete and total disaster. Botas deserves better. I don't know what is going on over there. And also half of the Alpha Tower garage really struggling. Nick DeVries is just not really keeping up with other rookies right now, which I'm super surprised by because I was expecting just huge things from him. It's been a really challenging kind of mistake-prone season for him so far. I've been yeah. seeing memes comparing him to Latifi already, which is what? like, I think is aggressive, oh, but I'm like, guys, much. this is his rookie season. We're like four yeah. races in. Let's, Let's just tone it down stuff. a bit here. <laughs> I think for my LVP, I'm going to go with the Stewards and that whole situation at the end with Akon's pit stop, which we'll talk about. I, I don't understand how things like that are still happening. Like, I think safety, like the safety of the drivers, of course, but the safety of the spectators and the press and the media and everyone around there, I think huge miss. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. I was really surprised their statement was saying that it's not unusual for them to be out there like that. It's like, wow, thank God nothing has happened. Since then, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. For me, I got to go with Max, Max, Super Max. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot, with the dishing it out, not being able to take it, I think – with the sprint and his altercation with George, totally in his right to be frustrated about the contact with George during the sprint, but to lecture him on how to drive, threaten retaliation, call him a nasty name on air is just ridiculous and it's immature. And I think driving wise, like he would have done the same as George in that scenario. So just generally not super amused with his behavior this weekend, even if I understand the underlying frustration there, but I'm just not about it. For our hot takes, mine did not hold up well. I was, um, I mean, I'm somewhat happy about it because I was predicting that Max would dominate. So the fact that he didn't, I'm glad. Um, Checo snagged that win from him. And I had McLaren as best of the rest. I don't think we're quite there yet, but potential for the future for sure. Yeah, mine were rough. I said Mercedes win, I think. Big bust. (laughs) When are you going to learn? I don't know. I don't go with Mercedes every time, but I was like so confident with all these comments about how great their upgrades were going to be. But here we go. Um, McLaren in the top 10. I was not too far off on that. So good to see them coming back up through the ranks a bit. Um, And I did say the sprint was going to be chaotic, which I think think it checked that box. There was enough going on for it to be (laughs) uh, considered chaos. Yeah, I said kind of general chaos, issues with the weekend, maybe issues with the FIA and the new sprint rules. I think given how much of a logistical challenge it must have been to pull this all off, it did go pretty well. But I think the sprint kind of definitely showed that when you only have 17 laps on a street circuit every single time, several of those laps are going to be under a safety car. So I I definitely think the, the sprint just left some things to be desired. Well, hopefully they'll keep working on the format. So let's go through this race. It's going to be a lot to talk about. It felt like when we were prepping for this episode, there was like twice as much. So we'll just jump in. So practice, FP1, only practice of the weekend. Um, The drivers only had an hour to get some time under their belts. A little bit chaotic. It didn't seem to bode well for the rest of the weekend, giving it was their only time for a low stakes practice. But Max led practice and Charles and Checo were close behind. Not everyone did as well, though. We had Yuki hitting the wall, Gasly and K-Mag suffering issues with their cars. So overall, definitely very chaotic ahead of quality. Start of a weekend for Alpine that it's honestly kind of hard to imagine how things have gone, could have gone more poorly. Insult after injury for them. I When the Ocon pit lane start thing came out too, I was like, what? Cherry on top. <laughs> we'll yeah. have to talk about, was this worse than Ocon's three stacking penalty disaster of a weekend? <laughs> that was more comical. Season. That was more comical, but I do feel like this might have been worse. <laughs> Tragic. <laughs> yeah. For Quali. So as a reminder, Quali, this, the Friday Quali set the grid for Sunday. So Q1, DeVries brought out a red flag after locking up and running into the barriers at turn three. 
As soon as that was cleared up, there were only 10 minutes left when Gasly also spun out at turn three, caused another red flag. And so for Q1, we had Joe Hulkenberg, K-Mag, Gasly, and DeVries out. But the bright side, Logan managed to make it into Q2 for the first time. So that was really excited exciting he was super happy about that turn three kind of causes issues all weekend it's that big left hander where there's a runoff area kind of on the right and so this was a very much a rookie move where if you can tell you're not going to make the corner you can go off into the runoff area and it was very clear he was not going to make the corner and just kind of ran straight into the wall for debris so that was tough yeah, for Q2, we had Max, Charles, and Checo. They were looking really strong, which was not a surprise. It was exciting right until the end where Piastri just snuck in and edged Russell out. And that was the famous, ah, sugar quote from George. <laughs> that has been all over the interwebs. It's just so funny. Like, <laughs> he did actually swear right before that. And then he said sugar. So <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. Um, yeah, it was had... like, beep. Oh, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was funny. It was a bummer to see him out in Q2. So we had Russell, Ocon, Albon, Botas, and Logan out there. But good for Piastri making it into Q3. For Q3, I think the main excitement here was Charles and Max had the exact same time for the first run. The first time in F1 history since they have measured to three decimal places, which was so funny. There was hilarious radio where Charles's race engineer said to him, oh, you're the same time as Max. And Charles goes, Oh, the same time, like a little bit behind. And he goes, no, literally the same time. <laughs> that was For, insane. It was so crazy. For Ferrari, Sainz was definitely off the pace. He finished about eight tenths behind Charles in fourth. He was just really quite behind Charles at this track. Charles, we get, we'll talk about this, but there's kind of, we can kind of debate whether it's Charles being just super amazing at this track or an actual kind of big delta in their performance. Lando and Yuki were the total stars of Q3 in 7th and 8th. So the final positions were Charles, Max, Checo, Sainz, Hamilton, Alonso, Lando, Yuki, Stroll, and then Piastri. And so Charles has gotten pole three years in a row here, and he was two-tenths of a second over Max. So it ended up being a pretty dominant lap from him. So moving on in the weekend, sprint shootout happened on Saturday morning. The sprint shootout set the grid for the sprint later in the day. And there was an announcement on Saturday morning that Baku will have a spot on the calendar until 2026. So definitely a good vibe to start the day. Sarah's super happy about that. Her favorite track. I'm so excited. (laughs) Sarah, we'll get a trip. We'll get there eventually. Um, The track temperatures were 16 degrees higher than on Friday. So it's basically going in blind, like practice might as well have not even happened. It was such a different situation. Um, So for Q1, they were all starting on the mandatory new medium tires. There was a leak on the exhaust for Gasly, just another issue for Alpine, one of many for the weekend. He had to go in, he pitted early, dropped out of this. And then Logan Sargent had a crash and a red flag with 25 seconds to go. They didn't resume the session at all, but luckily Logan had a good enough time on the board. He made it through, obviously, but his car was not in shape to do Q2. So we had out for Joe, Botas, Yuki, Gasly, and DeVries. For Q2, so they were again on mandatory new medium tires. Stroll got a great toe, as we were talking about, from Alonso to get through to the top 10. So great teamwork there from the Aston Martins. Piastri was out, sadly, by three-tenths of a second behind Norris, which seemed a bit silly because Norris didn't have new soft tires, which was mandatory for Q3. So he wasn't going to take part in Q3, even if he made it through, although there was some rumors that maybe he could, like, they could get around it with, like, wets um, and get into Q3, which was That's interesting. That's really chaotic. <laughs> but it just seemed like poor team planning there. Um, so out in Q2, we had Piastri, Hulkenberg, Ocon, Magnuson, and Logan Sargent. So for Q3, the mandatory new soft tires, they were going so slowly on their outlaps because the track was so hot. They were trying to cool their tires for the final flying lap, which is like not what you think about when you're doing an outlap. We're like, we got to warm these babies up, <laughs> like get some grip. But they were like shriveling on the track. Um, Max was having DRS issues, which was interesting. And then Charles, so on his first flying lap, he sent the he set the fastest time by under two tenths, and then he hit the wall at turn five on his last flying lap. So 
that was interesting, but he was able to keep the top spot given Checo was struggling with grip on his last flying lap in that first sector. So Charles ended up taking pole, but it was unfortunate for the other Ferrari teammate because he got uh, held up by Charles's yellow flag. So that was signs. He lost out on that last flying lap and Charles immediately on the radio was like, sorry for Carlos <laughs> when he crashed. So that was a big bummer. So our top 10 starting order for the sprint, we had Charles, Checo, Max, Russell, Carlos, Lewis, Albon, Alonso, Stroll, and Lando. Yeah, the tire thing is interesting. I kind of like it because it brings a new strategy component into it, but it punishes mistakes more because if you have a lockup in practice or say in an earlier qualifying session, then and you have a huge flat spot or something and wreck that set of tires, then it can have super... Mm -hmm punishing results later on for the sprint Alpine took Ocon's car out of park firm conditions which resulted in him starting from the pit lane for both the sprint and the Sunday race which is brutal we posted an article on our story about this but basically teams aren't allowed to change their setups to suit a particular session and if a part breaks then it has to be replaced with the same spec they did some suspension setup changes which wasn't allowed. So your setup gets kind of locked in for the weekend. A lot of times we'll see this if someone has an engine penalty, they'll also just make some park firm changes since they're starting at the back anyway. But in this case, it was just park firm changes that made him start at the back. Sadly, Logan wasn't able to participate in the sprint due to the damage from his car during the shootout, which was sad. Also, we haven't talked about this yet. How do we feel about it being called the sprint shootout? <laughs> I kind of love it. <laughs> I got kind of confused. Like, it's basically just quality. Like, why can't they just call it sprint quality? Um, but that's me being boring and wanting to do it to the book. But it's a cute idea. They're definitely in some, like, marketing roundtable room. Like, let's think of ideas for how to make this exciting on Saturday. It sounds like a video game. I mean, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. For the sprint race itself, Charles and Checo both had solid starts while Max and Russell had an awesome battle for third in the first few turns with Russell winning out. Max jumped on the radio right after and accused George of barging through not leaving enough space. Max had a bit of contact with the wall. This left a hole in his side pod. George said he kind of had the had the apex, had the inside. Max hung on around the outside and then felt like he got squeezed into the wall and didn't have enough space, whereas George thought he should have backed off since George had the corner. The drama that ensued post-sprint <laughs> was basically reality TV. It was crazy. In Park Firm post-race, we kind of got some coverage of them discussing it. They walked up to, uh, I think George walked up to Max and I was first thinking it was going to be kind of a, oh, just sorry, that sort of thing. And Max told George he should have left room called him a nasty name later in an interview max referred to him as a princess george which is <laughs> so just really it's like it's so okay, max was annoyed in their little in their little tiff it got videoed like that's bad enough like why is he continuing to like later in interviews be like princess george always he gets also his way. finished in front of george like i i understand the frustration but it's not like he lost out on like a spot because of george i don't know and Totally. And so many drivers kind of have gut check reactions in the moment, either right after getting out of the car or on the radio during the race of being frustrated. But after you cool off later in the day, and that is not an excuse for calling anyone names or being unprofessional, but later in the day to still be saying it is very not cool. And George in his media pen interviews after was being so classy, just totally comes off as the bigger person here. George was just saying, oh, I thought I had the corner happens was not kind of retaliating or being rude back. So that was very uncool from Max. Yeah. Toto made some comment. I forget the word he used, but he was like creative language or something between drivers <laughs> is fun entertainment for fans. <laughs> Saying like, it how it is. So to wrap up the sprint. So Yuki, this is the, the battle between Max and Russell was like very early on. So later in the sprint, Yuki had an understeer moment. He hit the wall after some slight contact with his teammate, Debris. So there was Debris on the track. So we had a... Debris, Debris, Debris. You guys like that? There, we had a virtual safety car and then a full safety car. And on the restart, Max was able to, again, pass Russell back, get third. Soon after, Checo was, had a beautiful pass on Leclerc. He was able to get into P1. Checo kept his lead, master of defense over here, and he won the sprint. So we had 
We had Checo, then we had Charles P2, Max P3, and then Russell Sainz, Alonso, and Hamilton. The usual players, it seems, these days. <laughs> For the start of the race and getting into some of the main highlights before we go by team. So it was a good start for Max, but Leclerc was able to keep P1 off the start. So we had Charles, Max, Checo, Sainz, Hamilton, and Alonso running top six in the first lap. In the first six laps, we had both Max and Checo fly right by Leclerc in a move of just total dominance, showing the pace of the car. And then a safety car was deployed on lap 10 that switched things up a bit and helped a few drivers get lucky and others not so much with their pit strategies as a well-timed safety car usually does. But before we go team by team, we would definitely be remiss not to mention the scary near miss at the end of the race. So I think Chesham mentioned this earlier, but the photographers and other official staff had migrated from the garage and onto the pit lane to watch the finish as they usually do, because usually there are no pit stops in like the very final lap of the race, but the race was still going on and Ocon came into the pit lane to make his required pit stop in order to finish the race. And it was just so dangerous. You, I'm sure you guys have seen the onboard footage from Ocon's car, but he just came in super fast as he's supposed to. And everyone was like jumping out of the way at the last second. It was just a very near miss. So the FIA released a sort of decision statement acknowledging that it was a very dangerous situation and they demanded quote immediate steps to make sure it never happens again and say they would, they would have something in place before Miami. Um, But the statement itself I was seeing some comments on it. It was like, congratulations to the FIA for apologizing to themselves and not acknowledging that, like, I don't know. I forget exactly what it was, but it was like, yeah, it was like a flywheel of like, yeah, pointing (laughs) fingers, apologizing to themselves and saying it won't happen again, (laughs) but like without actually saying anything substantial. Um, Yeah, but it's crazy because like, this isn't the first safety situation that they've had this year, like at the Australia race. This was it was fans, not like official staff, but fans were slipping through the fencing and were like able to get, I think, on the track while the cars were still going at full speed. Like I don't even know how that can happen. And my God, I'm so happy that we averted a disaster twice. It could have been so bad. Yeah, yeah. I think that FIA should be able to just say pretty quickly, obviously we need to change the rules to ensure safety in the pit lane because Granted, it's rare, but it's not unheard of for kind of a very late-breaking pit stop to try to get fastest lap, for example, which Russell also did, and he did get fastest lap. So it's crazy that they can't just acknowledge quickly that they need to change the rules since this can't happen again. Going by team for Red Bull to no one's surprise, Red Bull dominated again this weekend. It's the third time in four races that we have a Red Bull 1-2, and we got to see Checo's second win of the season. On lap four, Max took the lead from Charles with a nice slipstream DRS moment, and it was seeming like it might just be kind of a runaway Max race. On lap six, Checo also had an easy breeze by Leclerc to grab P2. It's pretty shocking, the overhead footage, when when DRS is open on the Red Bull, the (laughs) announcers were saying it's like it's a different formula of a car. Charles was not even trying to fight back. There's no point in destroying his tires when he knows that they're it's almost like a, a literal rocket ship just takes off and cruises past when DRS is open. There's yeah. a meme of Adrian Newey's face with like, you know, the Avatar last airbender arrows. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's insane. On lap 10, Max was struggling with his tires just as a small incident with Nick DeVries brought out the yellow flag. Max was told to box. And then after he'd already pitted, the full safety car was called, which gave Checo and Leclerc Huge advantages for their pit stops. I was surprised by this. I think it was a very rare strategy miss from Red Bull. They're normally so tight on strategy. And it, I think, was pretty obvious there would have been a safety car from this Nick issue, which Max kind of later pointed out. You could see that he wasn't quickly getting into reverse. So by the time the car was off, you could kind of tell. And then Max got called after Nick was already off. It wouldn't have been their fault at all if Nick hadn't gone off yet but they called in max after nick's car was already off the track but at the same time it's so hard to monitor they were dealing with max complaining about the tires an impending checo max fight needing to call him in a car going off track so there's so much going on but i think that was definitely a mistake from red bull i think hannah schmidt was not at the race i think she was home and i think she was celebrating her birthday that's not why she missed the race i don't think but 
you know, when the queen is not in her seat. (laughs) Okay. Wow. That is good. Yeah. That is good evidence that he is running the show over at Red Bull. So on the restart after that safety car, we had Checo, Leclerc, and Max. Max passed Leclerc soon after. So we had them running in one, two. And even with this lucky pit stop, Checo had such an incredible race, kept his lead for the rest of the race. He's just very good at this track. So very happy for him. But I think before we move on to the next teams, let's get everyone's opinion on, do we think Checo's amazing performance, him really just showing how good of a driver he is, does this complicate things for Red Bull? Like, is he still the second best driver to Max or does he need to be somewhere where he can shine as number one? Like, what does this mean for Red Bull? First off, I loved seeing, we did a poll on this of does Checo have a shot? I was kind of expecting most people to say maybe or no, but almost half of people said that Checo has a shot, which I love. I think if we're going to have Red Bull dominance, we should definitely have a bit of a fight as a top there. I personally think, I think Checo's an amazing driver. I think Max is more of a generational talent. And I think Checo's so amazing on street circuits that I'm sure that will continue. I think Max will still end up pulling ahead, but it's definitely bringing an interesting dynamic. And I think with them so close on points, only six points apart, there's really no kind of justification for outright favoritism of Max at this point. Like one, say in Miami, um, Checo wins and Max DNFs and there's then a 31, 32 point gap. I think they really aren't able to make that call yet. They'll have to see what happens. So I think it'll definitely kind of introduce some interesting dynamics at Red Bull and it'll be very interesting to see how kind of Max reacts in this situation. Yeah, that's the only thing that worries me is if Checo continues to do super well and Max is getting really flustered. Like, Sarah, I totally agree. Max is a generational talent. Like, makes sense that there's no favoritism or there should be no favoritism at this point. But for a long-term view, I think they definitely favor Max as, like, you know, their horse to back. But, like, what does that mean for Checo's contract extension? Like, if he is introducing, like, vibes or a dynamic to Max that is, like, making him flustered – and competing with him for the championship, was that not the role of the number two? Does that put Checo in trouble for a contract renewal at Red Bull? And if it does, like, where does he go after that? Like, I don't even know what, what seat would be open for Checo and where he would realistically want to go because the Red Bull is just in a league of its own. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, we'll have to see how things go. I'm excited for Miami and Sarah, maybe that can be your hot take for Miami. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm not willing that one into existence. I but will. I will. <laughs> you can do it for me. Jumping into Ferrari, they had a good weekend, finally leaving a race, feeling good and generally optimistic. Um, Leclerc was definitely the star of the show for this busy weekend on the Ferrari side. He took pole in the sprint shootout, pole for the Grand Prix. He also swept up some points with his first podium of the season in P3 for the race. Plus, he got points for P2 in the sprint. Signs, on the other hand, he snagged P5, generally a little bit less excited, saying the team basically needs to get it together because, quote, Red Bull is in a league of their own, which is a pretty obvious statement to say at that point, <laughs> at this point but whatever. Um, but I think overall, drama-free weekend on most accounts. Charles says they maximized everything they could, and they got 22 points total versus the collective six they've gotten in the past three races. So I think overall this, they should take this win. Agreed. It was really sweet. Charles was say, was asking how if he was happy with his quality performance. He said, "Yeah, we were just expecting to be competing against Aston Martin and the Mercedes. We we're not expecting to be on pole." So I think it was a nice surprise for them. <laughs> Definitely, for Mercedes, on the other hand, not an amazing weekend for the team. Toto said that the race was quote boring. That overtaking was nearly impossible. Lewis had similar sentiments. Complained a bit about the car's lack of straight line speed over the weekend. Also not the best weekend for George, who did not make it into Q3 on Friday quali. And on lap 15 of the race, we just saw Lewis easily pass him. Lewis was also within DRS of Stroll for a lot of the race and just could not execute a pass. So the team ended with Lewis in P6, Russell in P8, with Stroll splitting the two, a little Stroll sandwich. (laughs) And (laughs) I think at this point, it's seeming as if Aston Martin keeps getting better and better. And unless... Something as big as big as coming for Mercedes, which they assure us there is. They're, I don't know, they're looking like you know competing for that 
third, maybe second spot, but not what they had hoped for for this season, obviously. Some Lewis news while we are on Mercedes. He went incognito, like literally face mask, hood, everything last weekend to watch his little brother race at the British Touring Car Championship in Donington Park. His brother Nico has cerebral palsy and is the first disabled driver to compete in this championship. And he had his second ever points finish and best finish over the weekend. So it was really cool to see Lewis supporting his brother um, and just amazing stuff all around, super inspiring. So had to give that a bit of a shout out. And Chessa and Lewis both have siblings named Nico. So <laughs> I'm basically Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> For Alpine, really just a hot mess of a weekend. Started with Gasly's car catching fire right at the start of practice. Literally black exhaust pouring from the car. (laughs) This really did not bode well given how promising all their new upgrades were reported to be. And then Gasly crashed in quali. Then Ocon missed the sprint shootout due to suspension issues. Had to start both the sprint and the race from the pit lane. The race ended with Gasly P13 and Ocon P14, so they were able to make up some ground, but really, really tough. And then the major news, of course, is kind of the near disaster of Ocon, almost hitting people in the pit lane through no fault of his own. Very thankful that disaster was avoided here. The onboard was so insane. He just had absolutely nowhere to go. So that was really, really scary. McLaren. So McLaren definitely, they brought some significant floor and wing upgrades as part of their in-season car revamp. And the car definitely was looking faster. That didn't necessarily translate into what the team was hoping for during the race, but the trajectory definitely feels up for them. So excited. Lando got unlucky during the race, similar to Max, pinning before the safety car. He only grabbed a handful of points at P9, and then Piastri just lost points at P11, but he did have a stronger quality performance on Friday. So hopefully he's feeling excited about that. And we do have to give him a shout out because he was super, super ill all week with some sort of intestinal infection. So props to him for even making it through and excited to see what he does. For Alfa Romeo, I think as Sarah already mentioned, the season just seems to be looking not great. It seems to be getting worse for them. So not a lot to report there. Botas finished P18, which was last, and Joe DNF'd. So really hoping for some better things from them as we go forward. And Joe DNF'd with mechanical problems. It's so bad. Alfa yeah. Romeo's like the new Williams. Williams is in Q3 and Alfa Romeo's in last. I know. We called this with Williams, though. I think, I think they're on the up. <laughs> for Aston Martin, on the other hand, although they were not able to snag another podium this weekend, Alonso... Did manage to get P4 and Stroll finished between the two Mercedes, as we said, in P7. And Alonso seemed really happy with that. He was just like smiley and in a good mood after the race. It's like, where again, who is who is this and what have you done with Alonso? <laughs> um, but after the safety car, Alonso had a great restart. He was able to catch signs in a beautiful overtake for P4. Stroll also had a nice moment when he passed Russell and had P6 for a bit before losing it to Hamilton. But like we talked about, the biggest topic here is just the brotherly love going on between Alonso and Stroll on Sunday's race and really throughout the whole weekend. Early on, Stroll was behind Alonso and radioed that he would not attack his teammate. And then Alonso radioed his engineers saying that Stroll could give it a go and try to make a move on him. There was also the thing about Alonso radioing in tips about some like, was it like brakes or something? It was brake balance. balance. Yeah. To Stroll, which was a runner up radio of the week. So uh, we love to see it. <laughs> my One of my brother's hottest takes, which is out for years, he's been saying he's a Lance Stroll fan, has Aston Martin gear, everything. I don't know. I kind of see it now. I was super <laughs> impressed with him. We were Some so great- to him. We were like, why do you like Aston Martin and Stroll? But <laughs> he was ahead of his time. He's literally got like a, a poster on his wall of, of Aston Martin, no? Yeah, he has. It's from a couple years ago. It was... Um, I think racing point when Stroll had a little oopsie and almost ran over a pit crew member. And it has kind of a giant spread of that. (laughs) Okay. So it's a bit of satire, but he still loves (laughs) Stroll. Yeah. He legitimately loves Lance Stroll. But I, again, just the maturity of saying on the radio, okay, my fight isn't, I'm not going to, we're not going to wreck our tires fighting teammates. We're trying to beat the Mercedes here is just such maturity and, forward thinking when every single driver is like oh even if it's an irresponsible decision right now I need to try to show up my teammate um so 
very impressive with the energy over there. To wrap up the team, so AlphaTauri, well, the team started on Sunday with a 5K or 5,000 euro fine um, after sending Yuki back out onto the track during the sprint in unsafe condition with damage on his car, causing some debris. So for the race itself, Yuki managed P10 while we had a DNF from DeVries. I feel so bad for DeVries. His name just keeps coming up and never in the right context so far. <laughs> um, after he clipped the wall, he managed any damage to steering column very early in the race, caused that safety car that definitely helped Checo win. We're happy about that, though. Um, I think the big news for AlphaTauri this weekend is Franz Toast will be stepping down from team principal at AlphaTauri. He'll be replaced by Ferrari's Laurent Mekias. Um, th- turns out this has been planned for a long time when the announcement was not supposed to come out now, but since it got leaked, they kind of just owned it, got ahead of it. Um, Tosa said in the past that once he's 70, he's no longer going to be an F1. He's approaching that age and said he wants a younger, fresher, more creative minds to have the opportunity to shine though. So I guess that's a nice positive spin, but what do you guys think? What does this mean for Ferrari? Is AlphaTauri turning a new page? It's interesting because Laurent was at Alpha. Well, he was at Toro Rosso before, and I guess, they had said, I think Franz Toast had said to him at one point, like, go out, spread your wings, learn a lot and come back to the nest, like when you're ready to shine. Okay, and that's I think, nice. I think, yeah, I think this was probably part of the plan for a long time. And it sounds like from Ferrari's perspective, like they're super happy for him. Um, he is their racing strategy director, or their racing director and their assistant team principal. So I don't know. I think at least from a press perspective, Ferrari seems like happy for him, thinks it's the right move. I think Yuki and some other AlphaTauri people were caught by surprise by the news. I don't think they knew it was coming because again, this got leaked. So it was, it was planned as an announcement later in the year. Um, So I don't know. I think it shows like we talked about before that AlphaTauri and Red Bull are investing in success for their team. I think they're bringing in, you know, some top fresh talent. Not that Ferrari has like a million great resume points right now in terms of like racing strategy and direction. But I think Laurent is probably super talented and it's a it's a good thing. There's been a lot of movement with teams. Um, We'll talk about that as well during when we get to news. But it's an interesting shakeup. For the last a couple teams, for Haas, not too much breaking news here. We had K-Mag in P13, Hulkenberg in P17. The team called it a solid effort, so let's go with that. <laughs> they had an interesting strategy attempt where Hulkenberg, uh, like Ocon, had not pitted the entire race and then had to pit at the very end. It ended up not working out, but at least kind of an interesting take and attempt. He also or had to start will- from the pit lane, which was bummer. Yeah. For Williams, it was a tough weekend for Sargent after missing out on the sprint and after showing some real pace and quality and getting into Q2 for the race, he finished in P16. And then for Albon, he finished the race in P12, had also made it into Q3. So I'm super impressed by both of them. I think when Sargent can pull together a clean weekend, it's going to be super impressive, which hopefully he can do in Miami for his home race. For some news and headlines, Adrian Newey signed a contract extension with Red Bull after speculation about his future with the team with this contract up at the end of the season. He's kind of the mastermind behind this incredible Red Bull car. So Horner and everyone, definitely happy to have him staying. I'm sure he's being paid just tons and tons of money to stay. This also comes amidst rumors that two other Red Bull engineers have quit and are going to Ferrari starting in 2024, but until then, they'll be taking a mandatory garden leave for the rest of this year. So definitely a lot of team staff shakeups right now. Yeah, it's unclear at this point who those two engineers are, but it sounds like they are at least like relatively high level good people. So it's super interesting. Um, for other Red Bull news, is Max Verstappen hinting at leaving F1 sooner than we think? As we know, he is not the biggest fan of sprints. When he was asked on Thursday about the format at Baku, he had a lot to say. I like racing. I like winning. You have a good life. But is it actually a good life? I know that I have a contract until the end of 2028, and then we'll review again. But I do feel that if it's getting at one point too much, then it's time for a change. And that also comes kind of off the heels of Christian's comments as well about how he doesn't see Max as an Alonso, like racing at 40 or whatever. So it's interesting. Sarah, what do you think as a Max fan? Do you think he's sticking around? <laughs> well, 
first off, just so interesting from Max coming in with these meta comments about the meaning of life and what a good life is just at F1 press day. I kind of love it. I think he's a very kind of straightforward person and I normally take what he says at face value. So I do think you can never predict the future, but I think it's probably true that he won't be an Alonzo or a Lewis. I could kind of imagine him trying to win a few titles and then being in his 30s and wanting to move on to the next stage of his life. I think he's been in F1 since what he was 17 or 18. And I think it must be so challenging being on the road 250 nights in hotels a year for almost your entire adult life. I do totally get how you would get really burnt out off that for a while. Totally. In last piece of news, the F1 Academy, the female racing series run by Susie Wolf, they will not be streaming live and won't be available on F1 TV, at least for now. Apparently it was kind of too close to when it started wasn't planned super well. The races aren't co-located, which makes streaming challenging since they don't have the full infrastructure set up at the circuit like they do for F1. Pretty disappointing in our opinion. There's already very little media coverage on this already. And to basically make it impossible for people to watch is a really huge miss on F1's part. Like the whole point is so that it's bringing these drivers exposure and getting like part of the ecosystem of all of this stuff. So I think that's a big bummer but on the other side of it the series had their first race over the weekend in austria and it was super exciting there were three races for the drivers to compete in so marta garcia of prima racing won two of the three races this weekend including the opening race from pole position abby pulling had pole but got disqualified due to car compliance problems and amna al kubasi of mp motorsport won the the third out of the or the second out of the three races so that's super exciting and we will we'll continue to keep you guys updated on the status of that season even if we sadly can't watch live (laughs) so to wrap up the baku weekend for our 2023 driver standings we have max with 93 points checa with 87 alonso with 60 hamilton 48 signs 34 and then leclerc and russell tied at six and seven with 28 points and for the constructors, wow, we have Red Bull at 180, Aston Martin at 87, Mercedes at 76, <laughs> Ferrari at 62, and McLaren at 14. This is quite the spread. Four out of four wins for Red Bull. Insane. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. So let's jump into the Miami Grand Prix preview. Sarah, why don't you kick it off since you're going to be gracing them with your presence this weekend? <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm headed to Miami for the weekend. I'm going with one of our really good friends, Allison, who is a longtime friend and fan of the pod. I can't wait. My first time going. I'm so excited to see the atmosphere at the track. We're going out on South Beach both nights. So of course you are. <laughs> and Martin Garrix, here you come. <laughs> yeah, we're going to Martin Garrix at the Fontainebleau pool Saturday night, who is um, Max Verstappen's BFF apparently so of course he has to be there for race weekend so I'm very excited in terms of the circuit same as last year there's a ton of energy in Miami in the U.S. generally for the race the circuits at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami which is a bit in the suburbs in Miami it's where the Dolphins NFL team plays there's been multiple Super Bowls there it's a huge complex the track doesn't actually go through the stadium but loops around it and it's a really impressive complex with with a ton of infrastructure surrounding the track. At one point, the circuit loops under the freeway. And kind of an interesting change for this year is this year, the paddock structures, so not the garages, but kind of the big team hospitality structures are going to be inside the stadium on the field to create more space, which is definitely cool. Probably 
most of F1 people's first time on an NFL field. And then mm-hmm. the garages out on the track have a new permanent three-level paddock club being wow. built above them. Of course, the marina area with the yachts and the fake water is making its return. <laughs> and then also for the second year, we have the Hard Rock Beach Club, which has pools and performances from acts like the Jonas Brothers on Saturday. Sarah, if you don't see the Jonas Brothers in the flesh, we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> don't worry. Allison is like the biggest Jonas Brothers fan of all time. Perfect. So if anyone will make that happen, Incredible. It's <laughs> So for the track, it was specifically designed to provide good racing in a modern F1 car, which is fun. It's sort of a hybrid street circuit type track. It's a purpose-built track, so not on real city streets, but it has more of the characteristics of a street circuit than a classic track. So it's sort of similar to Melbourne in that sense. It's also high speed. The top speed uh, is over 210 miles an hour, 340 kilometers per hour. And there are 19 corners, three big straights. It's counterclockwise. Also some huge straights and DRS zones. So there are three DRS zones. So lots of fun, different action on the track. Sector one, pretty flowing and nice turns. Sector two has a huge straight and then a tight twisty section at the end with some elevation changes. Section three has two DRS zones. So one long, massive straight that ends in a hairpin turn and then finishes up with the third DRS zone at the start. Um, and start finish straight. There aren't any track layout changes from last year. Again, it's super new, but the track is being resurfaced because there were some complaints about the track surface last year, as is common on new circuits for sure. So the entire thing is being repaved to try and make the racing better, which should make for a good show. To recap last year's race really quick. So like last year, the teams and a lot of the action is going to be happening on South Beach, which is very far from the track. So it might be a traffic disaster. We'll see how that works. Um, We had five DNFs last year. Overall, pretty good race. For quality, it was a Ferrari first row and a Red Bull second row. And at the time, Charles was the only driver to have been on the front row for every race of the season. Rip. (laughs) And then we had Botas in P5. So it's hard to remember when Alfa Romeo had some good moments, but it was just last year. For the race itself, Max had an amazing start, immediately passed Sainz. Checo wasn't able to get past Sainz for the rest of the race. He ended in P4. So it was basically a Max-Charles battle, and then Max passed Charles pretty easily with DRS on the straight. So we'll expect similar things from this year. There was a safety car from a Gasly and Lando contact, and the finishing order was Max and then the Ferraris on podium, and then Checo followed by both Mercedes. And like last year, it's a very physical and hot race. Temperatures will be up in the 90s this weekend. Oh, wow. For the teams at Red Bull, hopefully the vibes are as good as the Checo Bad Bunny collab from last year. So <laughs> please, we'll see. I hope there's a Bad Bunny return or someone equally fun in the garage. Definitely expecting dominance with Red Bull's straight line speed since they're just insane with DRS open. And this has three massive straights. Max already did really well in the straights here last year. So hopefully someone can bring the fight to them. I think that will be kind of the main storyline here. For Ferrari, the upgrades are coming to Miami. So Fred Visser, team principal, says they're going to stick with the plan and bring a series of updates to Miami, Imola, and Barcelona. They won't be doing a whole new car, but instead plan to make adjustments to the current car's balance and behavior throughout the season. So for this race, tire management will be really important for them since in the past, Ferrari has struggled with tire deg this season, and this track is hot and challenging. So hopefully they can figure that out. For Mercedes, can Lewis make it from Baku in time for the Met Gala tonight in New York? It's a busy week for him with getting to Miami early, lots of press and sponsorship appearances. He'll be speaking at the Miami Grand Prix Accelerate Summit to discuss the future of the technology, performance, diversity, sustainability, NF1, all good topics. But hopefully Mercedes will be looking on better form than they were in Baku. Let's hope. Um, for Alpine, it's hard to imagine how Baku could have gone worse for them. So basically, no matter what happens in Miami, God forbid, um, everything will be improving for them. <laughs> for McLaren, they have a lot of American sponsors. They'll have a big presence at the track. Um, but unfortunately, after the Baku race, Lando was not particularly optimistic about this race since, like Baku, straight line speed is going to be the name of the game. And it's just not something that they have right now. For Alfa Romeo, hopefully things can turn around after an absolute dumpster fire of a weekend in Baku for basically the whole season, kind of a similar vibe as Alpine right now. 
And for AlphaTauri, Yuki is on a roll. He had a great Baku quality performance and generally is stepping it up this season. So hopefully we'll see it from him. Nick has been struggling more than anyone, especially um, Sarah. I think you had hoped he would do better. So yeah, again, let's just hope that he doesn't have to have so many bylines this weekend of hitting the wall and red flags and yellow flags. Latifi memes created for yeah. him. Sad. <laughs> for Haas, we're expecting a big show from them with their American sponsors like Chipotle. They're generally a bit more optimistic for this race since the high downforce setup suits them more. Hulkenberg did the hot laps here last year. Definitely loves this track, so hopefully he can improve a bit for this race. Aston Martin, I hope they just keep the teamwork and the good energy rolling. For Williams, something very exciting. It's Logan Sargent's home race. And not only because it's in the United States, he's from Fort Lauderdale, which is only about 45 minutes from Miami. So it's a true home home race for him. He's going to have a ton of people he knows at the track. He's been really quick and pretty close to Albon, which is impressive. So if he can pull together a clean weekend, I think we hopefully will see big things from them. Albon's also been doing amazing with his Q3 appearance. Williams is looking like a pretty solid midfield team right now. So hopefully they can keep that up. How about our hot takes and predictions? I'm going to say Ferrari surprises everyone and both drivers are on podium. I think since I'm on the Aston Martin train, this this is very hot, but I'm going to go with Stroll on podium. <laughs> I was literally just thinking that. Really? <laughs> but I was going to say top five. <laughs> okay, top five is probably like a little bit more realistic. Yeah, yeah. but no, I love that. Going strong. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm going to say this is also super hot. I'm going to say Alonso wins Miami. <laughs> I kind of love that. That's great. All right. I think it would first. just be great if there's some storyline other than Red Bulls passing everyone with DRS or not even having to pass anyone since they qualify one too. So we'll see. So funny. All right. This was great. Thanks for sticking with us for the Baku recap and Miami preview. Sarah will be doing so much Miami coverage while she's there this weekend. And we will talk to you guys on the other side.